People are like, what? ADHD people, you're going to have to keep up with me this morning, right? Everyone happy about daylight savings? Yes, me too. I, I know some of you guys are like, I like the seasons. I like winter. I, I know that you're out there. You know, we have conversations with people, and I'm like, man, I can't wait for winter to end. And, and uh, some smug, self-righteous person says, oh, I love the seasons. I just, I love the cold. I love the dark. Then go to prison, okay? <laughs> because I want warmth. I want humidity. And I want sunlight, Right? Amen. This is, this is starting off a little rough. Maybe a little too many insults. I'm sorry. You know, it's uh, it, the nasally post-COVID plus the Long Island accent thing doesn't help. Roger just insults people. People like, oh, my God, that sounded so beautiful. Insult me again. The whole British flow going, and we're just like, uh, I'm a kind of Neanderthal Long Island meathead. All right, whatever. My wife's like, Jonathan, focus. My, my son's like, Dad, do it again. Right? That's what's happening. Do it again, Dad. But, but back to the seasons. You know, I, I wish I could enjoy all the seasons because my life would be better. I mean, it, it really would. If I could enjoy fall and, and winter and spring like I do the summer, my life would be that much more awesome. I mean, fall is nice, but, but all I keep thinking is winter's coming. And, and spring is kind of cool, but, you know, it, 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 like, isn't tomorrow the first day of spring? Isn't today like 40 degrees? Like, I, I just can't handle it. I just want summer. I'm always focused on the summer. Even when it's the end of the summer, I am focused on I can't wait till the next summer. I just love it. It's always forward-looking with me with the seasons in nature. But in the seasons of my life, I find myself looking back at the different periods of my life, the different seasons of my life, and I get stuck. Because I, I basically found out that I oftentimes want to hold on to the glory days, the old days. And if, if you like, remember the, the Bruce Springsteen song, Glory Days? Yeah. yeah. Yes, guys, come on, that was the boss. Yeah, okay. And if you're like me, you have different blocks of time or different stages of time that, that would be your glory days. I mean, I was... I was an 80s kid. I was born in 1975. I, I grew up in the 80s, which in, in some way feels like yesterday to me. But, but as someone so kindly posted on Facebook the other day, 1980 and 2023 are just as far apart as 1937 and 1980. So thank you for reminding me my life's going by real fast. I hope someone coughs in your face, okay? <laughs> But, but uh, seriously, I grew up in the 80s. Can we get the 80s? Look at this. That's glorious. Look at this. I mean, look at, oh my God, back to the future. This is incredible. This is, this is what I grew up in. And many of us did. The, the 80s in some aspect, they were incredible. The loudest, most gloriously tacky decade known to mankind, and it was spectacular. MTV, headbangers, ball, skateboarding. Can we get Tony Hawk skateboarding? I mean, just ripping it. I, was, I loved this guy as a kid growing up. It, the 80s were insane. Yo, MTV raps. I, I mean, I just loved it all. BMXing. And, and probably the greatest TV show to ever, to ever cross the screens of those, remember those 90-pound boob tube TVs we all had? Miami Vice. Yeah. Oh, all the girls are like, my, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, look at it. That, that, 
Crockett. I wanted to be Crockett when I was a kid. This guy was so cool. And you ever see the meme where it's like Amazon um, and then Wish, like you order from Amazon? So that's Amazon Crockett. Can we get Wish Crockett? That's me. That's the Wish Crockett. That's me at, at 12 years old. The only person in the 80s, black or white, with an afro. Me. And that's because my mom was 100%, is 100% Italian, and cutting my curls would have been some mortal sin against the Italian curl curse or something. I don't know what it was. All I heard growing up was, your hair is so beautiful. And it was always from a 50-year-old or older Italian woman. And that should have been the cue to me at 12 to cut my hair. But, but I, these were the glory days. The 80s for me were incredible. Riding my bike everywhere, being out to dock. I mean, I loved it. Another time period for me, what I would consider my glory days, was up until probably eight or nine years ago, from 25 to 40. I love, I love weightlifting. I know you probably thought I was into Pilates or yoga <laughs> or some other hippie movement thing, but, but I loved weightlifting. I got to compete in powerlifting all over the place. I was, I was ranked as one of the strongest men in the world for 15 years. I was in magazines and on TV. It was incredible. Recognition. I went to Russia to compete, and in Russia, they treat strength athletes like, like we do NFL guys or NBA guys. People just say, can I get a, your autograph? Can I get your picture? It was mind-blowing. Glory days. But the essence of the glory days are they are in the past. The essence of the glory days are they are past seasons. If I try to skateboard or BMX like I did, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I'd be dead. I mean, let's call it what it is. <laughs> if I try to lift weights like I did 10 years ago, I would be in serious trouble. But I always feel, I do feel the pulling that I want to go back and, and not just visit. I'm being honest with you. I want to stay there. I want to go back in the glory days, and I want to stay there. But, but we can't stay in the past. We know that. Everyone remember Marriage with Children? Oh, my gosh. Remember this show? <laughs> What's crazy is when this came out, this was like the edgiest show on television. And if you watch it now, it's like, is this a Nickelodeon program? <laughs> right? Compared to what's on TV now. But you guys remember Al Bundy, right? He, he, he didn't like his wife much. He hated his job. His kids got on his, his nerves. But what he long and love the glory days. You guys remember he was the Polk High High School, scored four touchdowns in the championships game. I mean, th this was... He lived all that push of the show. It was a comedy. He lived in the glory days. He still had his high school jersey. But you see, even though that was a comedy, when I try to live in my glory days, the joke is on me. I become the joke. Because the glory days are gone. What I consider the glory days in my mind are gone. So maybe it was athletics or relationships or, or hear me, we even hold on to the glory days of our Christian life when we first got saved. Or we went to some uh, special prayer meeting. And we just had a season where we thought everything in our Christian life was just hitting for us spiritually. You were kind. You were patient. You weren't angry at people for coughing in your face and giving you COVID, right? You, uh, you forgave them. 
But the glory days are the past days. They're past seasons. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 through 8 says, there's a time for everything. And a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, a time to uproot. A time to kill, a time to heal. A time to tear down, a time to build. A time to weep, a time to laugh. A time to mourn, a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search, a time to give up. A time to keep, a time to throw away. A time to tear, a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. My son's got to learn that one. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. You see, what I'm learning is that when I'm stuck in the glory days, uh, I'm, it's not just saying those days were incredible. Because they, they, were, they were incredible periods of my life. But what I'm really saying when I'm stuck there, when we get stuck there, what we're really saying is those days won't ever come again. You know, we hear all the time... Raja always hammers, and I love it, and I applaud it. The best is yet to come. But honestly, I think that sometimes when I get stuck in my glory days, I don't think that's true for me. I think maybe the best has left me in the past. It's gone. It's not coming for me again. And so I applaud, and I think about it, and I smile, and I say, praise God. But then I say, wait, is that true for me? Are my best days behind me? And really, what is it, when I think that, what am I thinking, what am I saying about God? There's a story in the Bible about a certain city, you may have heard of it, Sodom, Gomorrah, an affluent city, uh, a city also loaded with immorality and sin. But there was a godly man that lived there, Lot, and his family. And God's going to destroy the city because its, its sin had become so great before God. But in Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's family thrived. Most scholars believe that, that Lot had some type of high social standing in the city, that he probably made a good living. They made good money in the city. And we pick the story up in Genesis 19. And with the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife and take your daughters, or you'll be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you're going to be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life, but I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster is going to overtake me, and I'm going to die. Look, here's a town near enough to run to, and it's small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, very well, I'm going to grant this request to you. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly, because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That's why the town's called Zor. By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun risen over the land, then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation and the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. His wife became a pillar of salt. But we, we don't even know her name. And a lot of scholars will say, well, it's because she missed and wanted sin. 
That's why she looked back. And it's used in the New Testament to warn us as Christians of looking back on our old sinful life with desire. And yeah, that's true. But, but I think there's more to it than that. Because I think, and I know that Lot's family was living in, in that time. That was a, a glory day period for them. They had money. They had prestige. They had social standing. And Lot's wife wanted to stay because she didn't want to let go of that we're not told Lot's wife was engaging in sin in the city. Matter of fact, it says one of the angels took her hand as well to lead her out. But, but she, she didn't want to move on. She was emotionally stuck. She had it good in the city. And what that says about her and what that says about me is that oftentimes, I'm going to be honest with you, I say I trust God. But I guess sometimes I don't trust God. I trust God for my salvation, yes. I trust God that he is loving, yes. I trust God that he wants everyone to know him, yes. But maybe I don't trust God to believe that he's going to move me on to anything that's going to compare to what once was for me in my glory days. I think that my glory days were my best days. Lot's wife thought that what was behind was the best. And God's not going to do it again. And so I'm just going to hit on two quick points this morning, just two. They will be the most outrageous points you've ever heard in a sermon. So they will stick with you. You'll think I'm a moron, possibly. That's okay. You'll remember the points. Remember, this is a little reminiscing. We're talking about the glory days. Some of you won't even know who these people are, but you'll have to ask your parents or grandparents. All right, so two, two reasons we get stuck in the glory days. Number one, we think God is like Zsa Zsa Gabor. Can we get Zsa Zsa? Zsa Zsa! Zsa Zsa Gabor. Okay, I told you, we're reminiscing here. Follow me. I know I have ADHD, but follow me. I promise it's going to make sense. Zsa Zsa Gabor, she was a a socialite, an actress. She was a Kardashian before the Kardashians, but with class, okay? <laughs> yes, and she, her catchphrase was darling, right? She called everyone darling, yes, darling, right? And, and she, she, she dated Sean Connery. That's Roger's brother, Sean Connery, right? <laughs> she dated Frank Sinatra, Henry Kissinger. This woman was married <clears throat> nine times, nine times. Imagine this caught up in the whirlwind of this woman. Any of these guys she married, I mean, they, they thought they hit it big time. And then Jean-Jacques Gabor would move on, and then move on, and then move on. It's the way she just lived her life. She found a man, doted on him, wrapped him up in the whirlwind of her life, then dumped him, and then found another man doted on him, wrapped him up in the whirlwind of her life, and then dumped him and moved on and on and on. And she was this larger-than-life figure, and people were drawn to her. And I think we think a lot of times God is like that, and that's why we get stuck in the past. That's why we get stuck in our glory days. We think God is like a whirlwind who sweeps you off your feet in the beginning, and you you're starstruck, and, you, and you're living high on life. And then God says, all right, I found someone else that I'm now going to focus all my attention on and dump all my love on. I found a new fling. I found a new interest. 
and we're yesterday's news. Listen, I, 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 I felt like that. When I was powerful, I got to speak all over the place. I got to speak in Russia and Guatemala. I spoke in hundreds and hundreds of high schools. And it wasn't because I'm a good-looking man. No, my wife says I am. <laughs> and once we were going on a walk down by our neighborhood, and she goes, oh, my gosh, look at the deer in the street. And it was a cat. So I... <laughs> I don't think her eyesight's very good. <laughs> but I was, I, was, I was, by the grace of God, I was on the 700 Club and the Praise the Lord program and millions of people, all, all because of powerlifting. And I felt like I was God's darling. I felt special. I was doing all these incredible things, and now... Now I'm beat up. I mean, two years ago, we were playing tag. Tag, T-A-G, as a family. Me, my wife, and my son, and I tore my meniscus. <laughs> playing tag, not squatting 1,100 pounds, playing tag on a playground. Pathetic. You know, people would say, what do you do? Oh, I compete in powerlifting. I'm ranked one of the best guys in the world. Like, oh, that's awesome. And I was like, what do you do? Like, I paint houses. They're like, oh, cool. Can I get a discount? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, it just doesn't, doesn't have the same weight to it, literally. And it's no wonder I get stuck in the glory days. Because those times felt so amazing. And in that time, I thought God was doing something huge through me. But now I feel like he's like a Jean-Jacques Gabor, maybe. He's moved on. I'm yesterday's news, I'm yesterday's fling, I'm yesterday's focus. You see, when I think like that, I don't just dishonor God. I actually think, now, God is God, so God gets his plan and work done. No doubt about it. But I, I actually think I, when I think like that, I temporarily sideline myself from what God's trying to do in a new way. Why? Because I'm not looking forward in anticipation I'm looking back. And if you play a sport like football or basketball, you have to keep your eye on the ball. Because if they throw a ball to you, if they pass the ball to you, and your eye's not on the ball, it, it hits you in the head. you you got to be ready. you got to be ready to make the play. And if you're not and you don't catch the ball, the fault isn't the quarterback's. The fault is yours. And when I get stuck on my glory days, the fault is mine. Because I'm looking back saying, man, those days were awesome. And God, God is trying to do something new. Revelations 21.5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. He said, write this down for these words that are trustworthy and true. You know, we are as Christians in a new covenant, not an old covenant. The old covenant was if you achieve certain spiritual status points, then God will do this. The new covenant is Jesus Christ dies and rises again to basically give us everything from God independent of what we do. That's the new covenant. It's based solely on grace. And because it's based solely on grace and because God is a creator and he's always doing something new, making everything new, that he didn't just create my glory days, he just didn't create your glory days. 
and then dumped me. He's creating new glory days for us in this moment. He's not fickle. He's not just stuck on one or two superstars on the team. We are, the Bible says, the apple of his eye, each of us. We are, the, we are part of the rhythm of his heart. We are the driving force in his love. We are. And in this moment, in this, what he's doing is he's giving us something new. He's creating new for us, new glory days in this moment. And while we are enjoying them, he's already preparing in the future the new set of glory days. But we have to be forward thinking to, to kind of appreciate and to receive that. Because if we're looking back at the old days saying, oh, man, I wish I, I remember that time and I went on that special prayer retreat and I felt so close to God. And all I'm doing is looking back, looking back, looking back. And God's like, I'm about to create something here for you. I need you forward focused because I am a creating God. I am a creator God. And I make everything new. And he's creating new possibilities for us now that are not second best to what we experienced in the past. If, if, if that's the way God works, then God's not God. He's a one-trick wonder. And someone who rises from the grave and conquers death is not a one-trick wonder. He's a king. He's God supreme. And I think we limit, we applaud and praise his saving effects in our life, but we often neglect what he wants to do for us in the day-to-day of our life. As Roger says, the best is yet to come. Because God is creating new. He's forever faithfully creating for us new glory days, and he's doing it with the same passion he had. He's not moved on. He's not tired of us. He's creating new now. Are you going to look back on the old with longing, or are you going to be in anticipation waiting for God to give you new now? The second reason I think we get stuck in the past in the glory days is we think we are like Millie Vanilli. (laughs) I told you, you will not forget these points ever. The youngsters in the room are like, who are these people you're talking about? Don't worry, kids, they're from the American Revolution. They were in the boat with George Washington. Look it up in your history books. Millie Vanilli, you got, you, most of you remember them. Girl, you know it's true. What was that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Woo, okay. Can we erase that from the recording? Girl, you know it's true. That was beautiful. That was good. We're stepping up. I like this. I like this. Right, they, they took the music world by storm. They had the looks, they had the charisma, but apparently they did not have the voices. <laughs> right, the, so these two poor young guys, they, they were young and they, they were poor, uh, Fab Morvan and Rob Pilatus, they meet a music producer, and the music producer's like, man, you got the look. And, and here's a song, I want you to listen to this song, listen to it, what do you think of this song? It was, girl, you know it's true. The producer plays it for them. They're like, that's an incredible song. The producer says, can you sing it? They said, we can sing this song. So they try. They cannot sing it, obviously. And he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. You're just going to, we're going to brand you, and we're going to put a a clip on the back. You're going to lip sync. You're just going to lip sync everywhere, and we're going to tell everyone, you are singing this song. 
and they, they, they won a <clears throat> Grammy Award for Best New Artist. They became one of the most popular acts in the late 80s and early 90s. And then <clears throat> it all starts falling apart, a MTV live music performance, and, and this is what happens. They're, they're singing, girl, you know it's true, they're hit, and uh, you, some of you remember the, the playing starts to skip. It's, girl, you know it, girl, you know it, girl, you know it. And they're on stage, live, and, and this is what uh, Rob Pilata says. He says, I knew right then and there it was the beginning of the end for Millie Vanilli. That was a very astute observation. He says, when my voice got stuck in the computer and it just kept repeating and repeating, I panicked. I didn't know what to do, so I just ran off the stage while it's still saying, girl, you know it, girl, you know it. Oh, my God. They had to give back their Grammy Award. They tried to release an album uh, like a year or two later. They sold 1,000 copies worldwide compared to millions of copies, right? And then, and then th this is the sad, obviously, Rob Pilatus dies of a drug overdose years after this. Their life was shattered. I mean, could you imagine being these guys? Because here's all this fame and, and oh my gosh, everyone wants to talk to them and write about them and interview them. And all along, the stress and the anxiety know that they are waiting to be found out as frauds. You see, for, for them, their glory days, they would never come close to that again because it was, it was built on a lie. It was a fluke. They, they didn't have the talent, and because they didn't have the talent, it could never be duplicated. And, and oftentimes, when I say I get stuck in my glory days, I think it's the same reason somewhat. Because I think maybe it was just a, a fluke, it was a scam. I mean, I, I'm not going to come close to that again because the issue is me, and eventually you're going to find out the issue is me. I'm never going to have a run like I did. Or maybe spiritually I had a, a good run of like the spiritual disciplines. I was reading my Bible a lot, coming to church a lot, tithing regularly, and it just was like really incredible. And I, I would listen to Roger pray or listen to someone else pray, and I would, I would pray like they prayed. I was like, all right, they're praying like that. Let me pray like that. And then I feel like my prayers are getting answered. And all of a sudden, my prayers stop getting answered because I feel like maybe God was like, you're lip syncing. That's Roger's prayer. That's the person's prayer you heard on TV. You're, you're a fraud. And all of a sudden, my Christian life starts to spiral down because things aren't as easy as they once were. God's not answering my prayers like once was. The default becomes, I'm the reason. I'm the fluke. I'm the screw-up. I'm the fraud. You know, self-esteem is often, has been often, downplayed in Christian circles. Because people, we, often the default becomes, <clears throat> I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm a sinner. You know, in the New Testament, when the apostles speak to Christians and write to Christians... There's like one or two verses, one or two, where they, in the context, they're probably relating or calling Christian sinners. And those are actually up for debate on who they're talking to. Do you know, out of all the verses where they're directing to Christians, they're not calling them sinners, they're calling them saints. Called out ones, holy ones, chosen ones. You see, Millie Vanilli, Rob, and Fab, they grew up poor, they didn't feel like they deserved much. They got a break. They crashed and they burned. And that's it. The gig was up. The gig was up. 
because their value, their worth also was low. As Christians, if all we think is, well, I'm a sinner, I'm a wretch, I'm a failure, I'm the screw-up, I'm the reason, I can't expect much. Okay. Are you loved by God? And we all say, yes. But do you love yourself? Let's read this verse. If God loves you as much as he does, do you love yourself? Mark 12, 29 through 31, asking Jesus about the commands. The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Love your neighbor as yourself. As Christians, we focus solely on love your neighbor. But Jesus is saying implicitly, love your neighbor as you love yourself. He's expecting, he's expecting you to love yourself. You see, when I, when I feel like I'm a fraud, I'm a joke, I'm never going to experience what I did in the past, that it was, it was dumb luck, I, I am not loving myself, I'm hating myself. The way we talk about ourselves often, if you spoke about someone else like that and someone heard you, they'd say, how can you talk about someone? You're not loving your neighbor when you talk about him like that. And we will, though, rip ourselves to shreds. That's not self-love, that's self-hate. I'm actually breaking God's command. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's connected, it's joined. God says love your neighbor, yes, but love yourself as well. And oftentimes I think we're just blind to, to, to the depth of God's love, yes. But then we, we, we depreciate, we, we make ourselves less than. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21, let me read this. The God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, he's going to equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Part of the reason you should have some great self-love is because, yes, you're loved by a great God, but because you are also not a fluke. You are gifted. You are designed. He has equipped you with everything good. He has working and is working in you what is pleasing to him. The, the good times in your life when you think, oh, I just, I faded, I, I was faking it, or it was, it was not a fluke. God growing in you works of himself, and he will do it again. There's this incredible story that, that kills me. 1800s, there's this French artist, and, and the guy is poor, poor. And he, he begins, he, he lives in a little cottage, and he paints every day. And he paints in the same shirt every day. He wears the same shirt every day, he paints in this little cottage, and one day royalty, French royalty, is coming through the village, and, and he's, that day he's painting right outside the front door because he's painting the front of his house. And, and, and the French royalty guy stops and says, this is incredible, this is, this is the most incredible work of art I've ever seen. I want to buy it off you. I mean, you are the most gifted, talented artist. I, this is mind-blowing. And I want to I send back others from the royal family. Will you, draw, will you paint more works for us? He sells this at an astronomical price. He actually uses some of the money for himself, gives a lot to the local town. 
About a month later, another royalty family member comes, knocks on his door, and he doesn't open the door. And they're asking, where's the artist? They're like, oh, he's, uh, he's out in the woods. Or they're always, the whole town's making excuses for him. A month later, someone else comes, royalty, wants to see, wants to buy one of his incredible paintings, excuses while he's not there. Basically what happened was this guy was painting in this shirt, and, and one, when, they, when he had sold the original painting, thieves came after and they stole some of his money. They also stole some of his clothes, and they stole his shirt that he painted in. And so this guy kept painting, but because he didn't have his lucky shirt, he wouldn't show any of the paintings to the royalty. He wouldn't attempt to sell it because he, he said, surely the reason I painted this one so well that they love was because this piece of what I had was, was helping me. It was, it was lucky. And the guy died. 20 years later, died. Royalty finds out. They come to his house. They go inside of his house. And what they find, this is heartbreaking. They find masterpiece after masterpiece. One drawing, one painting more beautiful than the next that this man never showed anyone because he had no self-love or confidence in his ability. He thought it was due to a shirt he was wearing that made him gifted. No, God made him gifted. And God made you gifted. And that's why your past glory days aren't a fluke because they weren't just happenstance. They were God working in and through you because you are created by him. And he's wired you and created you uniquely and that you can do things others can't. Do you believe that? Because that takes self-love, not self-hate. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you.